You're listening to the Functional Nerds Podcast with your hosts, Patrick Hester and Tracy Townsend. Functional Nerdverse passengers, please don't mind the turbulence you have experienced upon our entry into the Nerdverse space. This is due to us encountering a time warp. You'll need to reset all of your devices to January 2024. Please make sure that all paper retro checks that you write are for January 2024. You have been advised. Thank you. See, you can do it on the yeah. fly. Look at that. I know I can, that but was it was awesome. Kind of it's like yeah. it's like you're a writer. I know, right? Like every now and again, <laughs> things just sort of spill out. We're and we're on like the getting video, called out, Patrick Hester. <laughs> and on the video, we're having a battle of the Grogu's. So I may have to yeah, go yeah, over, actually. over here and, and get the big one down uh, mm-hmm. from the, oh, from yeah, the yeah. shelf behind me yeah. over here. <laughs> Not to be outdone, our guest. <laughs> I got to tell you, Tracy, I I do like when when we have my friends on the show. I, I like oh, yeah. they're professionals, they're writers, they're, but it's just so much fun to have my friends on the show because you know they're used to my bullshit. It's true. There's no. We there's no good. like you know. We roll with that. gentle apologies or anything. <laughs> <laughs> Never apologize for who you are. I yeah, know. well, our, our current <laughs> guest slash victim slash longtime survivor of Patrick Louise Hester is Shannon Lawrence. Hi, Shannon. It's great to have you on. Hi, it's great to be here. So we also, on the subject of time warp, we're also like very orderly and ahead of schedule here, anticipating um, in, in the future times, your next book, Mythstalker from the Wendigo Nights, from your, your Mythstalker series. It's going to be the beginning of a new series too. And it is actually coming to us in March. So we are ever so orderly and ahead of schedule. Oh yeah, I'm on it. <laughs> I've tried to, I had like a week off of work. Aid, first time ever that I've had a job that did that. And I was like, get as much done as you can <laughs> ahead of time now. Oh, so. absolutely. Absolutely. So, all right. I want to hear about it. I love getting in on the ground floor of a new series. So talk to us about it. What's going on? So it is, it's urban fantasy. I did the whole, <laughs> I was like, do I call it contemporary fantasy? Do I repackage it? But no, it's urban fantasy and that's what it is. And this follows, this is me meandering back into, I am, I am part Cherokee. And I, this character is also to be clear part Cherokee. Cause I'm not writing something that I am not. And she is born into this. She's a myth stalker. Her job has always been to track down the creatures of native lore. So of indigenous lore. And that might go to other countries because there's indigenous folks everywhere. And I want to honor that. So it's full of action. And it's with this one, we're starting with, she gets a phone call from somebody who's been in her life a long time. And they say, I have a Wendigo and She's like, all right, cool. She packs up, she goes, and then she gets there and she finds out it's someone she desperately needs it not to be because there is no other option but to kill somebody who has started to make this change. And I think and we probably, we, we probably, if I can interrupt you, need to, need, to, need to clue people in because I'm a huge fan of, of the Wendigo mythology, but I it's somewhat niche in the world of of uh, indigenous monster mythologies. 
Yeah, it's so it technically it's a it really started with Korean related tribes, but a lot of the northern Native American tribes also have followed this. Basically, it's anywhere that there's snow because the this is a creature that so cabin fever. Okay, this is a creature that comes out when somebody is stuck with, say, some cabin fever, somewhere they're trapped, they can't get out, they can't get food, and it relates to cannibalism, if that brings it around. Ravenous is one of my favorite <laughs> movies that has anything to do with it. It's just so well done, and it's funny, and I watch it repeatedly. But this is something that a person turns into this because they have done something dark and wrong, and and that is, of course, eating another human being. But that's not the only way to change. And I go into that some in the book. We don't need to go into it here. <laughs> sure, sure. But yeah, so this is a complete change into another creature. This is, there's no coming back. And yeah, she's got to figure out a way to reverse it. Because mm-hmm. she does not want to kill this person. They have so many questions. <laughs> not just, not, so... We've known each other a really long time at this mm-hmm. point. At least I feel like we have. And uh, you may feel like it's even longer. But um, for as long as I've known you, you've been short stories. Short yeah. stories, short stories, short stories. You have written a lot of short stories, enough that you have several collections of your yeah. short stories that you have published. Even a, a book about the business of short stories, yeah. which we'll get to later. And so I'm I'm curious because we have not talked about this. What what was the trigger or what was the 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 genesis of you going? I I'm going to go ahead and I'm going to write a novel. So I have written other novels. I actually have, but this one. <laughs> but I love short stories, and I have I at the very least have ADHD that I have been diagnosed with. There's, there are other questions right now, <laughs> but I have, so short attention span, right? And short stories are a whirlwind when you're really in the thick of them, writing them is quicker, editing them is quicker. And then you submit and then you keep submitting until somebody accepts them. And then they come out pretty fast. If you get accepted by a magazine, it's, it can be within a month that that story is coming out. If it's an anthology, so therefore a book instead of a magazine, then it could be a year around there. That tends to be an average. And then I have had one magazine take two years, but that was space and time magazine. So they took a little longer. And for me, this is a very workable thing. This is a boom, boom, boom. And you're always working on multiple things and you're always on to the next thing. And it's great and it's addictive and it is a hell of a ride. And because of that, even though I had have these novels, I just never wanted to roll it back and take the time to work on them. That was just, that was just a purely a me thing right there. And, but I love to change things up. That's a thing that is important to me. And just about anything, but especially in writing is I feel like if I'm not trying new things, if I'm not getting myself out there and doing things that scare me and that are new to me and that are learning experiences, then why am I doing it? Oh, nice place. Okay. And so it was time for me to say, okay, I'm going to just slow my roll here for a bit and I'm going to completely change my attention and what I'm doing over to novels and I'm going to start 
doing that thing for real. I've gotten to a comfortable place with the short stories and I don't want to be in a comfortable place because this is art, right? This is, I want to learn and grow. Yeah. Interesting. Okay. So now kind of reflecting back on having made that switch, what for you was the, was the most uncomfortable part about sort of recommitting to this, to this novel that you knew you had, you'd you'd been working on it. It was there. Well, and not only that, novel but the beginning of a series right so i've just committed myself to at least writing a few more books in this world and and not not that many i mean on average on average it's like 27 28 so oh my urban fantasy math yeah (laughs) yeah i know it's like hopefully i know when to end it (laughs) some of them they go and then they just keep going it's the same thing over and over and then i stop reading them so we're not going to get to that point. We're not going to do that. <laughs> but honestly, it was just, it's, it's a big change. It's, it's it a is. bigger commitment, I would say. Yep. And that in itself is a scarier thing. And it's for me, a new genre compared to what I've been publishing, which is, I've published actually in a few. It's not just horror, but it's primarily horror. But I've had a little memoir piece published i've had comedy published i've had a crime piece published that sort of thing i've had a little comedy sci-fi that's but i have not had urban fantasy published at this point so this was a big new thing and the thing about urban fantasy though is i was first drawn to it because honestly it's just horror in the real world that's not horrific not so horrific Mm. it was seeing reading that very first book and going oh so it's just all this stuff that i've always read and enjoyed and done but like everybody just accepts that it's a thing not necessarily everybody and in this case obviously not everybody because we're talking native lore indigenous folks tend to believe in it (laughs) but outside of them how many people do yeah yeah it depends on where you go right i mean i i would i would almost say there's uh regionally yeah. There, you have you have swaths of, of populations who believe in in certain things. Well, and I imagine that up in these areas in the northern U.S. and in Canada, that there are people outside of the the native population that believes in it too. Oh yeah. Well, yeah. I mean, in the same way that like. I mean, a lot of mythology and storytelling and and things are just ways that we have tried to explain the world to ourselves, like historically right. as people. Well, and to address evil and or what right. we, can't, we can't understand because it's so bad. And of course, cannibalism is one of those things that most people can't mm-hmm. wrap their brains around, except Russians. Yeah, well, I mean, you know, that's a. Uh, I'll I'll leave you to unpack that comment if in fact you intend I, to. Um. <laughs> I, I I do like the sign. I see the sign, and Shannon, you may have actually shared this at one point. It's the uh, Donner Pass picnic area. Yeah. Hmm. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Yikes. Yeah. And I just realized you guys couldn't see my fingers as I was holding up the sign, but I was doing it under the camera. So. <laughs> okay. Yeah. That's understood. Understood. The classic. <laughs> finger finger l frame thing guy yeah i mean i think in the case of like you were just talking a moment ago um shannon about how they're in certain isolated areas um, or certain types of communities there can be you know belief in or curiosity about or sort of like like 
the, the sort of legends and, and mythologies that don't originate within that community, but are sort of like part of the larger landscape of the area. And I think that kind of goes back to in certain places, you just see stuff, man. Like you, <laughs> there are things that happen and you need to find some way to talk to yourself about it. And, and to talk to other people about it. And that may be through trying to come up with some sort of rationalized explanation. It may be through coming up with a mythological explanation. It may be through storytelling that fills in the dark places of what, how did we get to this point and why is it like this? But it, it just has to fundamentally do with the need to, we, we need to feel like we understand our world so that, to the point you made about horror in the real world that isn't as horrifying so we can reach that threshold of feeling like it isn't as horrifying right yeah right which is really horror itself is meant to address that in different ways it's why it's laughable every time somebody says well i can't read this or watch this because they've made it political when horror is often addressing yeah society's ills but sticking in some sort of creature to represent that or to make that happen instead. And it is a commentary for in general. Right. And then there are plenty of people who don't realize that until they get slapped in the face with it, I guess. (laughs) Then they're like, Oh, I don't like it. Well, it was all doing it. So. Yeah. It's always, always been there. I remember being uh, traumatized as a kid because I saw something that I couldn't explain or understand. And when we first moved to California and I was at a kid's birthday party and they brought out pizza and there was pineapple on it. <laughs> and I mean, I, I carry that to this day. That must've been hard on you. It was, it was uh, In Oregon, we put pineapple in a lot of things. And I don't know if it's because we're one of the closer places to why we <laughs> Maybe it's kind of aspirational. Moved, yeah. Yeah. When I moved from Oregon and coleslaw didn't have pineapple in it, I was super confused. <laughs> it's just like, where's the pineapple? <laughs> like, what is this? I have legit yeah. never heard of that before. Coleslaw no. and pineapple? Yeah, I don't huh. know. And again, maybe it was just one place I was going there because, to be clear, I moved from Oregon when I was seven. So, mm-hmm. yeah, but I, I just thought coleslaw came with pineapple then. Okay. Also, Patrick, I put pineapple on my pizza, and now my goal is to eat some pineapple pizza. <laughs> <laughs> just be like what's up she's gonna chase it down with a soda and a mug that's like patrick's tears on the side <laughs> that's right. that's mm-hmm. take that's a photo put, post it on the insta yeah <laughs> i remember i remember growing up with uh uh my grandmother always used miracle whip never mayo oh, on anything yeah. so so like if she made egg salad or tuna salad or something like that, it was made with miracle whip and uh, I remember mom dating a guy who like came over and, and he's eating a sandwich. She's like, what is, what is this? Like, what, what is this weird <laughs> thing? And it's, it's cause it's a miracle whip, you know, and it's a little sweeter. It's got that tang. Uh-huh. Uh, everybody has weird things like that. Uh, the thing to remember is, and, and you just always need to remember that is I'm right and you're wrong. So. Um, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> we'll discuss that later. <laughs> <laughs> I didn't try Miracle Whip until I was a full-grown adult, and I was curious, and I went and got it. And it's I was like, this it's is interesting. I can. It's <laughs> different. Yeah. yeah. My grandmother actually used it as a salad dressing. She would oh. make a salad dressing with it, and I did oh. not like that. Okay. That was oh. that was kind of nasty. But anyway, sorry. I always have to bring up food to make Cannoli <laughs> Joe hungry. 
I don't know. I don't know if that would succeed in making him hungry or not, or just kind of confused. Um, <laughs> like it, it, it went to some weird places in there. I guess we shouldn't talk about dramatic food then. Dramatic, dramatic food. Or traumatic I, food. <laughs> traumatic food. Well, I just did. Yeah. But um, uh, there's there's lots of stuff like that in Colorado too. Like people in Colorado do some strange things with food, but then you try it and you're like, oh, that's actually really really good. Right. Like I love a slopper. And I think yeah, sloppers outside of here. Okay, so you're gonna need to explain that to me. What? Uh, uh, what now? And, and you got to drive almost all the way to Pueblo to get one. So yeah. go explain it. Yes, I've been. I have heard of a place I have to go, and I will go. But uh, so a slopper is an open face burger with green chili and cheese on it, basically. But usually like oh, shredded okay. cheese. Mm-hmm. I found a place in Fort. It's Fort Garland, which is this little teeny. It really it's a town, but you wouldn't know it, and it's. At a convenient place, right where everybody turns to head south to go down to Taos, New Mexico. Okay. So it gets some traffic, and it's this restaurant out there. And now I got to remember the name because it. We have a cabin down there, and so we stop there and we get our food and we head on up. But they have a great slopper, and they make these the the potatoes. They're fries, but they they've cut them like slice them across, right, so that it's kind like, of a like, disc. A thin okay, disc. yeah. And they're really good. And they put those underneath the burger. And then they Ugh. cover everything with green chili and cheese. And it's so good. But anyway, this, I've this, been told I have to go to Coors Tavern in Pueblo for a good slopper. So I'm going to do it. This this is a this is a thing that is is a Pueblo dish. Mm-hmm. Um, lots of people go to Pueblo to get them. There's a few mm-hmm. places up here that do them, but it, even it's like funny because they'll go. It's still not the way that's done in Pueblo. <laughs> it's like right. it's like you got to go to Pueblo to get a real one. And, and but this is not this is not a thing that you pick up and eat. This is a fork and knife. You're going to eat okay. this. And they're just. It, it sounds very simple, but they're not. They're and they're so freaking good. There is a place by the uh, uh, by the company where I work. Um, that does a, a version of a slopper where they basically, they serve it in a bowl <laughs> because okay. they, they make, they this, just gave they up. This, They're like, look, yeah, <laughs> they make this burger and they just cover it in so much green chili and Jesus stuff. And then they put all the French fries around the rim of the bowl. Uh-huh. And then they, they do a, a, a full on uh, pepper roasted pepper on top with a steak knife through it. <laughs> and they're mm-hmm. like, Here's your slopper, and it's it, that one's really good. I, I do enjoy that one, but uh, yeah, sloppers is a thing. I feel like people maybe need to know that the whole reason it originated in Pueblo is because we have Pueblo chilies here, yeah, and mm, people probably yeah. heard of Hatch chilies yes. from New Mexico, mm-hmm. and these are Colorado's green chilies. I've seen chili wars online about. If it's not Hatch, it's not real. They're like, Pueblo's better. <laughs> so <laughs> food wars fascinate me because I'm pretty equal opportunity. I love me some food. So I'm like, whatever, I'll eat both. <laughs> I'm a I'm a free agent in all of this. I will, right. I will just let my mercenary taste decide. It, it's yeah, funny but- because, it, because like two weeks ago, I was sitting and I'm thinking, man, I want a slopper. Like I haven't had one probably in years. Yeah. Yeah. And and I did a quick Google search, like a map search uh, on my phone, like a, sloppers, and nothing came up except oh, wow. in Pueblo. 
it yeah. like took me to Pueblo and it's like, here's all the places in Pueblo where you, I'm like, damn man, I don't want to drive that far. <laughs> they don't sell them in Colorado Springs either. We're really not that far north of Pueblo, but I will say like, I belong to this foodie group on Facebook. Cause again, I did say I like food and it was for just the city and it popped up during COVID so that people could try and get business out to all these struggling small restaurants. And there is now some place here that has a slopper and they posted a picture of it. And I was like, what have you done? (laughs) (laughs) Oh, no. First of all, they didn't understand the assignment. They did not. It wasn't open face. It was a burger and you were supposed to pick it up and eat it. But they just poured some chili over the top of it. Like just a little. It wasn't in like a this. Like underneath the bun is where the chili is? No, it's poured over the top of it, but it's an open. But you're still supposed to hold it in your hand? No, you're not supposed to. They poured it over the top bun. No, I mean, mean, these these people who failed the assignment believe that you are still supposed to. Got it. it Over the top of it. And I was like, what even is that? (laughs) Like, what are you doing? At that point, that's, that's, that's more of a sloppy Joe, in my opinion. And, but, but even then, even you don't pour it on the chili bun. It's in inside there. Inside the buns, right? right? Like yeah, if yeah. it were like a normal red bean or something type mm. chili yeah. or a meat know. chili with no beans, like a Texas chili, then you would still put it within the buns. <laughs> no, they poured it over the top bun. And I, and I was like, what? So people had to pick it up and just like have the chili all over their hands, I guess. It was so weird. So um, I can I could be in Colorado Springs in an hour, Shannon, and then we can we could head down to Pueblo. <laughs> <laughs> Let's do it. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> you call MB. So That's on the right. day that this episode goes live, um, or at least it, uh, you know, God willing, and, and the schedule maintains, uh, is supposed to go live. I'm actually going to be coming back from being. Unless I wildly misunderstand uh, time zone bands, actually having been in your time zone, uh, Patrick, for for about nine days, um, I am flying out to go to uh, Arizona for Different nine days. Sometimes, um, <laughs> yeah. So yeah, it depends. Uh, so flying out to Arizona, starting in Phoenix just for a day, and then heading up to Flagstaff and Tuba City, where I'm going to be uh, in the Navajo Nation with some of my students for. Um, a number of days working on some farms and, and doing some some work up there. So I will have to uh, give you a full accounting of my various food experiences and things there. It will not have been my first time uh, in the Navajo Nation, but it will be my first time in the Arizona piece of it. Yeah. Shannon, what's the what's the name of the restaurant here that does the um, Native American food? Uh, the place you took me to? Did, you took me there, right? Yes, and my location closed, and I haven't been to it since that location closed, but they kept their original open, and I seriously, my head just went, boop, when you asked me that, and I know perfectly well what it is. It'll pop up in a minute. (laughs) (laughs) It's, it's, that is very, very interesting food. I think I also may have met Stace there once. Okay. Stace Mm -hmm. Johnson, and I think, I think we went there. I think he actually took me there the first time. I think I went there with you and maybe your husband, maybe Mm -hmm. I can't, like things are fuzzy. Um, But uh, you're in for a treat. Like if it's, if it's anything like what they're making there. I mean, uh, what I, yeah, about, about 20 years ago, I was, I was on the res for a month um, doing some work and that was in old Jato, Utah. So like the far, far Northeast piece of um, 
of what you know what you get for for the Navajo Nation right near the Four Corners. Um, and so I certainly love me some fry bread and Navajo tacos. Uh, I got myself in plenty of trouble with those, but we'll, we'll see. How, 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 how long will you be in Phoenix with the kids? Uh, just one day. Um, we're going to be flying in on a Monday, actually like two days from now, Monday, um, spending one night there and leaving the next morning to go up to, uh, Flagstaff. And then on the way back, we're going to have one night. So really no time at all just long enough to take them to like the botanic gardens and to have two dinners so in and out so you got to take them you got to take them and let no. them have the in and out experience while they're no. in phoenix yes because no, while they're in phoenix when you recommend it <laughs> no no when when you're in phoenix though you're not going to be sitting in line for four hours like you do here um it, it it's just take them i, I suggest okay. you take them and, and all right. just, okay. so they, then they can brag to all their, their friends on TikTok that they've had an In-N-Out burger. Then I, I guess, right. I guess we'll see. I guess yeah. we'll see. That's right. My so massive Illinois kids. Arizona. Fun fact. I live in Colorado and I work in Arizona. I work remotely. Yeah. That's <laughs> not clear. So I go out there a few times a year. They fly me out. The, once a year it's to go camping. Once mm-hmm. a year it's for a retreat. So. And yeah, I do have, we do work on the re- various reservations there. Not all of them yet. Yeah. Yeah. Well, that's actually, I mean, there's, it's quite a bit. I've been to, I've been to Talking land. Stick. I've been to Talking Stick. Because mm. they have the, it's a resort near, I think it's near Phoenix. Um, but it's on reservation land. So mm. like you, you cross, you cross the street on this road. And I think you're on reservation land at that point. Yeah. Um, that was interesting. It was just mm-hmm. like, we didn't actually, I they didn't actually get to see any of what I would consider to be the real reservation. Like oh, yeah. what we, what we went and saw was talking stick resort. Yeah. Right. Right. Uh, which was, you know, you, you, you walk in through a cloud of cigarette smoke through the casino to get to your room kind of thing. Yeah. Um, yeah. but yeah, that was it. That's like my only experience there. Yeah, Oregon, you're kind of just like, oh, oh, I am on a reservation right now. And then you're driving out of the <laughs> reservation. <laughs> like, if there's a ton of They just kind of sneak up on you. Yeah. They do. Yeah. They yeah. do. There are some areas in uh, Wisconsin that are like that too, actually. But it's a different different order of business entirely. This, this, this does remind me that one of the things that Shannon talked about on social media quite a bit, uh, because it was such a great thing, and I think, I think you – also like this, Tracy, was Reservation mm-hmm. Dogs. Mm. Oh, yeah, yeah. Yeah, and do you know I still haven't watched the final season because I can't handle that it's the final season. I, like, I haven't no. either. <laughs> I have that problematic relationship with lots of media where yep. I, yeah, I'm just like, I don't want you to be over. Because yeah, <laughs> mm-hmm. yeah. they, now they're talking about potentially doing a movie? Mm-hmm. I did see that. So mm-hmm. that would be cool. I... I do like. I don't like that it's gone. I like that they ended it before it could say jump the shark or sure. right. do something yeah. that's so many. Here's a really random thing. My husband and I started watching Moonlighting because we always have some brain shutdown things that we watch that we okay. can just watch at the end of the night before he goes to bed. If we whether we watch something else or not, and so we started watching Moonlighting, and that puppy that it jumped the shark about halfway through before. <laughs> Before it got so, we watched a full episode that was Shakespearean. They did a taming of the shrew in one episode of Moonlighting. 
So, so <laughs> I, I am, I'm old enough. I watched that back in the day. I did too. Yeah. And, and the thing that I remember is that they hated each other. Yes. Like, and they were not shy about it. Like they, they were actually that, both like awful to work with. Like the people yes. who were directing and stuff did not enjoy yeah. this experience. So, so there's a, um, I really liked a show called Castle. Yeah. And it was uh, Nathan Fillion and Stana Kadic, I want to say is, is how you pronounce her name. I think so. Um, never would have known that they hated each other. Never would have known. Thing, though, I mean, they're actors. I guess they're acting yeah. real good because in yeah. Moonlighting, you wouldn't know it. They yeah. actually have good chemistry on screen. Yeah. But, but the stuff that was going on behind screens – uh, behind the screen on on moonlighting and the stuff that was going behind the scenes on uh, 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 castle, you know, castle, they kept going and they were very professional about it uh, until they weren't right. Until contracts were up. And then, and then Nathan Fillion's like, I'm the star, get rid of her. Uh, and on moonlighting though, it was, I feel like the, the war between them killed that show and forced yeah, it to probably. jump the shark very, very early. Because uh, they just like the quality went down, and I think I always thought it was because uh, of them and refusing to work together, and and like not wanting to be around each other. So that I don't know. Could but be. I'd be curious to know because I did go look at like the trivia on IMDb. I love IMDb. Yeah, trivia. I know, right? <laughs> and and it was saying because a lot of the episodes start with it's the elevator opens and you're on Sybil Shepherd's feet and you follow her feet walking into the office. And I, the trivia was said that this was because they would have these, the, he wouldn't have the script ready for an episode all the way. So he'd sit there and have them do that. Cause that would take up time. That would take up setup time. That would take up, all of that because they have to set up and they'd have to film it. And then they have to get it just right. Hey, we might need to do this again. And that would give them time to sit there and just like write these pages out. So. Wow. Random. Yeah. I'm, that I'm, is muting, a, I'm muting because dog's barking. Yeah. Right. Yeah. <laughs> I, I am happy to say I've never been that under the gun on a deadline before. Right. <laughs> wow. No. Yikes. Well, and I was trying to remember, I could swear that uh, David Duchovny and Jillian Anderson, if it wasn't that they didn't get along the whole time on X-Files, it's like they had some definite bad moments or a period of time where they didn't. And I just don't remember. Yeah, I don't remember either on that. But um, I will throw out, uh, since you're watching Moonlighting, that it's streaming for the first time ever. And I think it's on Hulu, right? Yes. Yeah. Um, the other one that's just announced that's streaming for the first time ever is Northern Exposure. I saw that today. I texted it to my husband actually, and I was like, "Man, I'm a little afraid to watch it because what if I don't like it anymore?" Yeah. Oh, and, and, got hit by and, the suck fairy. Uh huh. And the thing about that show was that the 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 problems with it was Rob Morrow. Oh. Like he was a diva at the time. Like, and he thought that he was he was the shit. And, Which is uh, funny because it was such an problems. ensemble cast. Like it was. everybody best characters, yep. right? Yep. Yeah. Yeah, that was a that was a show that I liked back in the day as well. But uh one of the nice things about being an author though, the, the more I think about it as this conversation goes on, is we don't really have to worry about our characters being divas with each other who can't work together unless we planned it that way. 
<laughs> like, like it's it, we would have to kind of bake that in. Um, like I th- a lot of the stuff that we're we're talking about shows either narrowly surviving or getting getting drowned by are, uh, yeah. These are these are the the forced errors of actually having multiple human beings on the craft. It's that's, that's true. Not so I bad. think some argue uh, some authors might like argue that though because I've seen it. <laughs> you see like the memes and all that all the time where they have no control over their characters. So maybe some of see, them are divas. I don't know. I mean, I've I've definitely had moments in my writing where I thought in the planning stages or in the brainstorming stages that I should have my character juke left. And then I realized in the act of writing that no, no, they would really only credibly juke right. And, and it needed to be this other thing, but I don't confuse that with the characters not obeying. For me, I think of it more as, as I'm more into the process of writing the moment that I had not yet actually gotten to that. I understand the moment better. And hopefully I'm making better choices um, that are more suitable to the characters. I always feel a little bit, this is kind of judgy of me, but what the hell? Um, <laughs> like like folks who are doing the whole, like, I don't even know what's going to happen. The characters just speak to me and sometimes they refuse and they won't say what I want them to say. I, I feel like that's a sort of performative move that like, some authors adopt in the interest of kind of uh, exploiting the kind of... Um, the artist touched by their craft as a, as a trope for themselves. Or I'm like, really, I, I think I know what you're actually talking about. And I don't know that it's actually that. Right. Cause I, I am not a plotter. I am a very much a pantser, but if I have myself in a position, it's because I wrote myself there. Right. You know, yeah. if it changes from what I thought it was going to be, it's cause I wrote myself there, but I did find that like, Actually, this book, I had these two characters and I knew they hated each other and something had happened in the past and I had no idea what it was. And I ended up going and writing a short story about it. I was right. Like, I need to know. I need to know. I can't keep implying. <laughs> yeah. I have, I have to tell myself this story. I'm implying. So I went and I wrote that short story and I was like, wow, what an asshole. No wonder she doesn't like it. <laughs> like, okay, we've got this. And now I have that. So. I, I did that once because I, I, I again I'm I am also uh, I'm going to use the Mer Lafferty term discovery writer <laughs> and um, <clears throat> I was writing a novel and and it was you know set in the far future and stuff was happening and they kept referencing stuff from the past and I did the same thing I was like well I need to just sit down and write uh, what happened in the past because it's it's obviously impacting this book and ended up writing a completely different book. Mm-hmm. <laughs> that was the past, right? And okay. what happened in the past. And it's like, God damn it. <laughs> <laughs> Here I went. <laughs> I, I, I'm reminded when we were talking about like all that drama and stuff between actors and, and then character things. Uh, MB sent me a thing where she said she's reading a book called almost surely dead. Hmm. And concurrent to the story are chapters which are the transcripts of a fictional podcast about the main character's disappearance and what the podcasters are saying and thinking and the uh and she said the podcasters are terrible like they're awful people but mm-hmm. like they're they're putting forth all these theories and all that kind of, and I thought that was a very interesting uh concept for a book to your point uh 
uh, Tracy, it's like, imagine writing a book and then every other chapter is like a podcast critiquing the characters and creating all this drama and like behind the scenes stuff. That would be, that would be kind of funny and different. Well, particularly if like you wanted to use that meta to like emphasize dramatic ironies or emphasize wildly different readings of the same sorts of events because my guess is that the that whatever the actual like chapters of the book story are that they're going to be they're in somebody's point of view you know whether it's like a third close or or a sort of like brain hopping omniscient or a first or whatever and so that gives you some kind of insight into what people think their motives are or what their actual knowledge is and then you've got these like armchair theorizers, you know, out on the ether who are just going to splash their ideas up on Spotify or whatnot. And so I think that is a really interesting move because I think it empowers the reader to second guess their own reading of the story they've been reading so far by sort of anticipating the ways in which other people will read or misread that same story and so that their own feelings of authority and knowledge in the story are not necessarily absolute in terms of ways the story can be read. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Can we that was very thinky. It was. And yeah. appreciate how many different types of media are coming out with podcasts, storylines, yeah. only murders in the building. There was the one with Kaylee Cuoco recently. What is that called? I don't know, but that came out. And I think that was on Peacock. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And this really happened. Bench, I'm sure something. there's much. Yeah, something like that. Yeah. But the, I'm sure I, there's I, plenty more I don't know about yet. I I have I have a I have a love hate relationship with that mm-hmm. a little bit because like you also have Zach Braff starts a, a he has a new show a couple years ago about you know starting a podcast business. And he starts this podcast business and he's got this giant office with all these employees and all these people. And like, he's going to do this podcast. And I'm like, dude, that's not fucking podcasting. Come on. <laughs> you know, yeah. it's, it's kind of like, it's the like Hollywood legacy thing. radio right there. Yeah. It's kind of like the Hollywood thing where there's always the story of the, the writer who wrote one book and has been living off the proceeds from that book yes. for the last 50 years of their life. That's not how it works. Like that, that's, that's a glamorous representation like that's that's a that's the pipe dream representation that's the that's the uh 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 i don't know how else to put it but that that's not like that's not how it works that's not how any of this ever works you know for for every one of those there's ten thousand of us who's just Mm -hmm. sitting here doing you know a podcast i mean if there was a ever a real life version of like to compare against that Hollywoodized narrative of writes one truly great book that is lauded, you know, and whatnot. And then they sort of retreat from view and live off of it forever or whatnot. Our, our real life example of that, which totally didn't play that way, would probably be Harper Lee with To Kill a yeah. Mockingbird. Mm-hmm. Yeah, uh, yeah. Because unless I'm sorely misremembering the details, um, a few years ago when the um, kind of sequel to To Kill a Mockingbird against the wishes of her estate was published after um I don't remember if it was after she passed away or if that's I believe some it was. power. Yeah. Or if the power was simply taken away from her through like a power of attorney thing because of um 
you know, what was going on with her estate and her health. But like she was in a nursing home uh, living primarily there through like Medicaid and public assistance funds and things like it's like it's, that's not actually how it yeah. I mean, Ayn Rand with the whole fountainhead bullshit and whatnot, the whole idea of like, we're going to Atlas shrugged, bro. We're all going to be objectivists and whatnot, writes her two, three books, whatever it was in that God awful series. And everyone sort of assumes that because they became this sort of engine of libertarian psychosis, um, that surely that led to some kind of uh, wealth or what? Like, no, no, she couldn't pay for her cancer treatment towards the end of her life and end up dying yeah. in poverty. Like, just so so the break. one that I like is actually only murders in the building because it's mm. just three friends who kind of come together and start this podcast and they don't know what they're doing. And they're just, you know, and they don't have this huge success and they don't all get rich off of it, you know. And, and that's and, despite them coming from a, like a background of being already an actor, yeah. producer, whatever. And yep. so that's even better. Like they came at it from a place where they've been, we'll say, quasi famous. I don't think they give us indication either of them were really famous, famous. Steve Martin's character was on a successful TV show though. So, yeah. But I mean, even they aren't <laughs> having this. The the one with Kaylee Cuoco kind of drove me nuts because it was tell me you're actually not a true crime fan without saying it. You know, it's there were a lot of things in there where they were making a lot of assumptions and coloring a pretty caricature like scene of the uh, of what a, a true crime fan is like, and I was sure. like. Yeah, but, like I enjoyed the show because it was amusing and I like her, but it, was, it got my spine <laughs> up a couple times. Like, okay, you're not actually you came at this because you know true crime podcasts are popular, not because you are a true crime fan. You know, yeah. So yeah, jump on the uh, trend. That's, that's what true. they do. You know, on the subject of fandom, uh-huh. <laughs> hit it, Patrick. Picks of the week. Ta-da. Very nice thumb holes on those sweatshirts, by the way, Uh, Patrick. Big fan. It's not a thumb hole. This is my brace. Oh, Oh, right. I'm sorry. Well, you know what? I I just feel dumb. I'm really sorry. (laughs) I forgot you're broken. (laughs) You looked really trendy there in a kind of Eric Draven the, you, the crow kind of way it was cool I, I, I figured out I also figured out what caused me to fall gravity no so there was snow <laughs> and when I stepped on the snow I had no traction and I ended up yes. slipping and falling and, and and hurting my wrist and actually my hip as well and uh, when the snow melted I there was a there was a political sign that had been in the ground that had fallen over. Oh, That's no. what I was trying to walk What on. politician tried to kill you? Uh, someone that was running for mayor of Aurora. Oh, well. And okay. and so <laughs> that was that was right there. And and I remember seeing the the metal like tying things that the sign the uprights, was on. Yeah. And thinking, oh, they finally came and took that sign, you know, because they because this is around the mailboxes. Yeah, and yeah. uh but then I saw the 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 sign itself sitting there, and I'm like, that's exactly where I was trying to walk. So I know that like I was my I was just slipping and sliding on that yeah. stupid sign, and that's what I fell. But it was still covered in snow, so I didn't see it, and it's white, right? Well. 
So anyway, that's 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 how I slipped and fell and hurt myself. Politics kills. <laughs> <laughs> One more um, reason to hate a politician. Patrick, can you choose something that makes you happier than your wrist brace? Maybe maybe mm-hmm. that's the sol- the solve here. Nope, because my my pick is actually a, a pseudo anti pick this week. Oh, um, which is uh, the process of of reporting and and uh, dealing with credit card fraud. Oh no! <laughs> so a while ago, uh, a, a while ago, I, I had a problem with a credit card, and they they go, "Okay, we're going to cancel that card, and we're going to send you a new card." I'm like, "Okay." And when I got the new card, it came with a letter that showed everything that I had a recurring charge on. Oh, which I thought hmm. was really sweet. I was like, "Holy crap, that's cool!" Because yeah. I yeah. never thought of that. And so they told me all the things, and all I had to do was go to those places and and update the card and all that kind of stuff. I was like, "Cool." Um, last week, I was looking at at my bank statement, and I saw a charge on my debit card for thirty five dollars at Taco Bell. I've never spent $35 at Taco Bell in my life. You would have to be a very hungry person right? if you were it's just like one a person. At Taco Bell. <laughs> and it was on a date where I hadn't I had been to Taco Bell. Like, I haven't been to Taco Bell in a while. I was like, what the fuck? How did my. And so I called the bank and they're like, fraud, fraud, ah, we're going to kill it. We're going to kill it. And I'm like, oh, shit. Here we go again. And I said, okay. Um, and I remembered the other credit card. I said, hey, you know, I, I had this happen once before. Are you going to send me a letter that shows me everything that I'm using like this card for? Uh, no, we don't do that. No. I said, why not? And he's like, I don't know. Are you fucking kidding me? <laughs> You're, you, you, can't, you can't send me a printout of all the things. And he's like, no, just go through your bank statement. So uh, they canceled my card. And a bunch of things stopped working. Mm-hmm. <laughs> mm-hmm. And I've been sitting here waiting for a new card. And I finally got the new card. And sure shit, there was nothing in there to tell me. So I actually spent this morning, before getting on the podcast, I spent this morning going through my oh, bank statement. Oh, no. Doing the and audit. And looking at all the things. And there were some things that that had actually hit and was declined since the card was like. And so I had to go through yeah. and make all these payments and do all this stuff. So um, I really like Chase. That was the credit mm-hmm. card that sent me the list that said, here's all the stuff. Uh, First Bank can go fuck itself at this point. Like, <laughs> I was seriously okay. pissed yeah. at First Bank. Um, come on. You, you, you could have given me a list. Do you could have made it a little bit Do easier. Better. Right. So. You know, I had I dealt with it all with DCU, Digital Credit Union, recently, where the card got hijacked and then we had to change it and I had to change it and everything. And then I dealt with them where they – we're doing the whole, is this your charge or whatever? <laughs> and I had said no about something. And then I realized after the fact that it was associated with me changing my card on PayPal and they had sent like um, the $1 thing, but it had shown it a weird company or something. Yeah. So then I tried to call them back and be like, actually that was fine. <laughs> and that was when I got the, can I speak to the man at the house? Even though I had my credit card and lost my shit. So I recently also had experiences in DCU also can go fuck itself. <laughs> I mean, pursuant to the time warp theme of the beginning of this episode, did did they think you were calling from 1964? 
I in like, fact told them that it was not the 1950s and got switched, at, demanded a supervisor, and the supervisor did the same thing. And then I hung up. I would like to say I handled it well. I did not. I was very angry, and I let them know I was very angry and disgusted with their actions. And then I called back, and I got a woman, and she was like, oh, yes, let me get that fixed for you. I didn't tell her I'd talked to anybody before. I didn't. But funnily enough, I had the authorization in the system on my mm-hmm. credit card. Mm-hmm. <laughs> and she did not ask for it. I mean, she said, is Jeff, you know, is he there? And I was like, no, he's not. And it was on my credit card. So mm-hmm. and she was like, okay. Did, did they suggest that you had the vapors? <laughs> uh, oh. You know, I will say they held themselves together while I... <laughs> <laughs> except that they're very condescending in fact before i got the supervisor the guy told the first guy told me it's not going to change anything i've already told him what's happened so really gross experience digital credit union digital federal yeah, that credit sucks. union and, and as <laughs> as as someone who has been adjacent to shannon when he she gets really really pissed off at somebody let me just say that that's scary right so <laughs> I know I wasn't proud of myself though. Cause I try not, I don't do that. I've worked in customer service. I've uh. worked in collections, but the way that uh, the way they were behaving was inappropriate. Yeah. Called them on it. So. Wow. Wow. Do you have a pick of something? <laughs> I feel like this is going the wrong way. Did. So I did remember, and it's Takabi. That is the uh, oh, yeah. a Native American eatery, I believe is what their kind of subtitle yeah. there is in Denver. Good stuff. And yeah. they basically run like Chipotle, where you get to kind of choose, do I want to have a, a wild grain rice bowl? Do I want to have a an Indian taco, a Navajo taco? And that sort of thing. So, and then you choose your beans and, and various toppings and stuff. So it's fun. I think it was a really clever way of them to get, get some white folks to come on out and try their food. And then I have a book because my son recommended this to me after years of being burned out on reading because we, we made the mistake of letting him be in um, whatever the advanced reading was and they mm. actually made him hate reading. That oh. is a thing that can happen. Yeah. Yep, they burned him out because he didn't want to analyze it. He wanted to read it. And they burned him out so badly he stopped reading for a while. But he really, really loved this series. It's by Jackson Ford. And the first book is The Girl Who Could Move Shit With Her Mind. <laughs> so it's speculative fiction. It's fun. It's it's super action-packed. And... He, he kept wanting me to read it. So I now have the stack of the sequel. I think there's five books total in this series. And I've read the first one. So nice. I enjoyed nice. it. Very cool. All right. Well, um, there's there's a whole sort of like mythology in the in the Townsend family of like weird animals and in jokes and stuff like that. Some of which have made their way onto the podcast over the years and some of which have not. Um but one of the sort of recurring like totemic figures of importance in the wal- in, in the in the uh, towns and families the walrus. Um, we have lots of walrus, yeah, lots of walrus oriented jokes, um, lots of walrus oriented paraphernalia. Uh, one of Corwin's nicknames, in fact, is walrus, um, which I'm fairly sure that now that this episode is going to go out into the public sphere, he may never forgive me for um, actually making public. And so, therefore, any sort of walrus-themed game 
as you can imagine, would be 100% the Venn diagram of us. So we were delighted to spend part of our Christmas break and New Year playing Business Walrus. Um, so Business Walrus is made by the same people who make Cards Against Humanity. And Cards Against Humanity is actually not a game that I love. Um, I know that lots of people do like it for, for various reasons, but I feel like it leans too hard into the edgelord shit um, that, and, and for the, for the shtick that it is. I think if you're going to be trying to be clever with that kind of a shtick, you didn't have to take it that far. Um, and mostly the problem I have with Cards Against Humanity is I, I've never once been able to play it with a group of people where at some point in it I was not like, oh, God, this is a terrible mistake. Um, and Business Walrus, the idea behind Business Walrus is pretty simple. You are attempting to be funded Shark Tank style by one of the world's wealthiest financiers, the Business Walrus, who is in fact a walrus with a toupee and apparently billions and billions of dollars to his name. Uh, and you are trying to come up with a product that's going to address his ask. So everybody at the table gets an ask and the ask is, you know, usually something like this product has to include, I don't know, um, this product has to be bad for the environment or like this product has to involve butts or, you know, various silly things. Right. Um, and so you have to design a product based on the ask. You've got a hand of cards that has some sort of attribute for the product. You choose one of those cards and then someone at random at the table gets stuck with the walrus secret ask. Um, that may be an individual person. It may be everybody at the table and that person has to add something extra, a little zhuzh it up uh, to their particular product. And then you go around and you make a pitch to whoever one of you in that particular round is the business walrus, therefore operating as the judge. And at the end of it, they get a billion walrus bucks. If your pitch ends up being the one that wins the heart of the business walrus, you go through this until someone has won three billion walrus bucks, thus showing themselves to be the uh, the superior business walrus seducer slash entrepreneur. <laughs> so it's a lot of fun. Uh, Patrick has endured my family on one seemingly endless feeling occasion of days uh, of us hanging out with him a while back. And so I'm sure he can imagine exactly how this kind of thing would go uh, with my particular brood. But if you're looking for a game that learns fast, plays fast, scales really well, um, check out Business Walrus. It's fun. It's like 20 bucks at Target. Nice. <laughs> I've, got a, I've got a clue for you all. Huh? The walrus was Paul. Oh, that one already. Yeah. <laughs> you know, the, the, the thing about Cards Against Humanity is like you got to know your audience. Like you got to yes. know the people yeah. that you're with. Because <clears throat> I've told the story before about uh, there was a, a, a thing at the company where like we have these teams and the, the teams were competing against each other throughout the year. And my team won in the end. And we ended up at Top Golf for a little bit of a celebration. And someone broke out Cards Against Humanity. And uh, so we're sitting there, we're at Top Golf of all places, and we're playing Cards Against Humanity. And I'm playing it with coworkers. Uh, yeah. My only other, my only no other bueno. experience playing this game is with uh, someone named Shannon. <laughs> <laughs> and that is a completely different experience than playing with someone uh, from work. Yeah. And so uh, the card that uh, th with the blank on it was, you know, blank makes parties more fun and in my hand was a card that said glory holes oh, no. i played it 
And uh, the uh, I'm going to use this term endearingly. The soccer mom, who was the, the person at the time, said, glory holes? What's that? What is that? <laughs> I, don't, I don't understand. Let me look it up. Oh, and everybody no. went, no! <laughs> <sighs> That is, that is the best part sometimes of that game is when somebody's like, what's this? And you're like, yeah. I'm not going to tell you. <laughs> you can pull out your phone and look that puppy right up on your own, though, and don't I, images. <laughs> <laughs> I remember playing that game at Shannon's house one time with someone who it was basically the goal whenever it was that person's turn was to make them blush yeah. so hard. And, and they basically sat there and they would go, they would look at the cards and go, no, I'm not saying that and set it down. I'm not saying that. I'm not saying that. Yeah. But we did get them a couple times. We did get them a couple of times. Yes. Uh, I, I, I wanted to throw out the, the, there's one other kind of sort of pick uh, that I would talk about is that uh, there is this, this thing that's kind of happening across the country where, um, untrained people are, are are being inserted into jobs that they're not suited for and causing a lot of problems. As an example, uh, untrained cat mechanics working on cars. Um, I saw an image recently on Shannon's uh, social media of a cat mechanic working on a car. And I just want to say that I'm, I'm not supportive of that. And I don't think the cats belong working on jeeps listen the cat was just mechanic adjacent and doing her job of making biscuits so it was okay there was a fuel line that just really needed some biscuits in it there was like while you're doing this let me make you some biscuits yeah, there you go. <laughs> that was persephone just purring her brains out as my husband is under a car trying to he's found out he's replacing my engine which blew up when I was up at a, a con on a, on a blizzard and I was trapped in oh, this no. with no heat for three hours. Oh no. And got hypothermia. And, <laughs> but my head gasket had blown and it blew shrapnel into my engine. So he's found out to replace the engine on, because it's a manual. <laughs> he has to take everything out. Yeah. Because it's all connected in an automatic. You do not have to take well, at least if it were an automatic version of this vehicle, I can't speak for all vehicles. Less of everything out. Everything out. So. Oh, no. <laughs> well, then that's a man who needs biscuits. Give that man all the biscuits. Yeah. He did request I, I, that perhaps the biscuits be saved for later, but she was not willing no. to wait. <laughs> I, I will I will throw it out there, uh, Tracy, that in, in the land of husbeasts, uh, Shannon's Picked one that's that's pretty handy. He's like he can do pretty handy. Yeah. yeah. So I've I've always been impressed. Um, obviously, we're running long. Shannon, uh, it's been great talking to you. Why don't you tell people where they can find you, where they can pre-order your book, all that good stuff. All right. So you can find me at thewarriormuse.com. I do also have a podcast, and that's mysteriesmonstersmayhem.com. If you want to find MB and myself, she's my co-host. And the book comes out on March 26th. Right now, it's just the ebook on Amazon up for pre-order, but that'll all be updated on my website and on my social media as it pops up everywhere else. It takes a while sometimes to make its way out to everything. So <laughs> ebook is up right now, and that's Miss Docker. Nice. Wendy Unites 
and check it out. I'm excited about it. It's a big project, a long time coming. (laughs) Well, thanks for joining us, Shannon. Thank you. It was good talking to you guys. And so it came to pass that one year shall end and a new year shall begin. Welcome, dear listeners, to the year 2024. Will it be a better year than its predecessor? Only time will tell. My new dual monitor mount thingy for my desk toppled over and sent my coffee cup over the edge, splashing coffee all over my desk, my clothes, the carpeted floor beneath my feet. Looking a lot like 2023 there, 2024. Hey, have you ever heard of Beyond the Trope? They've got a podcast just like we do, only they have announced it will be ending on their 10th anniversary, which makes me sad. But Giles and Michelle have planned to go out with a bang-up list of guests you won't want to miss. So go check them out, Beyond the Trope. Also, I win. Also, also... For us, don't forget to share this episode with your own friends, and if you haven't already done so, check out our Patreon over at patreon.com slash functionalnerds. If you like what we do, feel free to toss us a couple of bucks a month to help pay the bills. Also, 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 like us, or give us a star or a review on your preferred podcast platform, wherever you're grabbing episodes from or streaming. It helps, and we appreciate it. Now, did you know that in the 1960s, the CIA tried using cats to gather intel on the Kremlin and Soviet embassies? They equipped the cats with battery-operated microphones and antenna to record data. I wonder how that turned out. Mr. Carpiers. You got it right. How about that? Yeah. You can call me Cannoli Joe. If you've if you've never listened to the podcast, there there's there's two different styles here. There's there's Tracy who does prep work and comes up with some very thoughtful questions. And then oh squirrel. Oh for God's sake. Patrick Louise. <laughs> Hello, Patrick. It is I, Clayface. <laughs> Okay. That's probably a good enough signal. <laughs> when someone comes up to me and says, Hey, I really love what you do. I'm like, I'm sorry. Do you know who I like? I think you have me confused with someone else. The whiz bang and the gosh, wow. And the sense of wonder stuff. My favorite thing about time travel is I actually had a time travel joke for you guys, but you didn't like it. I'm so excited.